Please turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We are doing a series called The High Calling of God. Now, you know, when we think about the high calling of God, I, I know usually people have this sort of vision or, or you know, their the, the thoughts go to ministry. Because so many people have preached it that way. And uh, ministers love to do that, you know. They like to feel special. And so I'm in the high calling of God and you're not. <laughs> okay? I'm not one of those. <laughs> All right? Listen. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, whatever we are called to do, whether it be five-fold ministry or working in a secular job, we are all to represent Christ. Amen? And to be Christ-like. And that is what the high calling of God is. Wherever we go, you have a high calling. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, this is that higher calling. This is that high life that we need to aspire to. And we need to do this. Family, you know, this is a choice you make. Let me begin by reading again in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 13, I'm going to read uh, a little bit in from that verse. The Apostle Paul says, <clears throat> forgetting those things which are behind, he says, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, verse 14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call or high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are all to push, press, make an effort. I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to just sit back and let God do it all. And, you know, if, it, if it's God's will, it'll happen. And if it's not, it won't. We, <laughs> we can't live that way. Not when the Apostle Paul writes things like this. He says you. Can I put the word you in front of this? He says you forget all those things which are behind. You reach forward to those things which are ahead. And he said, you need to press toward that goal. You really need to make an effort. This, this really goes against all that, you know, all that doctrine that says, if it's going to happen, it'll happen, and God will just make it happen, and you don't have to do anything. That is all not right. I want to say another word, but I'll, let me just say it's not right. <laughs> okay? <laughs> so once again, let me just say this. The Apostle Paul is referring to everything in his life before Christ as opposed to his newfound freedom and life in Christ. Now, as a part of that newfound freedom and life in Christ, he says now in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Let's begin there. Begin the journey into this particular lesson, which I'm calling living a fearless life. Isn't, isn't that good? I like that. <laughs> okay. Living a fearless life. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. All right? Some versions say timidity. Either way, it's not good. All right? He says, for God has not. I need you to see that first of all. God has not given us a spirit of fear. If you got one, it didn't come from God. See, that's the first thing you need to identify. I, I do appreciate the Apostle Paul said God didn't do this. Amen? That's why I said don't speed read the Bible. You need to read it meditatively, one word at a time. It starts with God and says, he didn't give you this. All right? He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. But God has given us something. 
He didn't just say, I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, and then walked off. <laughs> okay? <laughs> but he goes on to say, but, a, 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 can I add the words a spirit because this is what it's talking about? But a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound or disciplined mind. That's what he's given you. Amen. Now, if, that's where you start this journey. First of all, you need to know that you do not have a spirit of fear. God didn't give it to you. If it's there, it's not from God, which means you, God has given you all of these other things to get rid of it, right. not to put up with it. Yeah. Amen. He said he's, God hasn't done this, but he's done this. He's given you a spirit of power so you can get rid of it and a spirit of love and a spirit of a sound, disciplined mind, which means you're not going crazy everywhere. <laughs> okay? You are sharp. Yeah, have you noticed that when you get in fear, you do dumb things? Because your brain just checks out. Hello. <laughs> you look back and you go, did I do that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that was you. We have it on film. <laughs> These days, you know, everybody's videoing something somewhere. Everybody's phone is going off somewhere. Anyway. <laughs> now, this is all based on Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let's go there next. I'm going to give you scriptures today to show you how you can live a fearless life and why you should be living a fearless life. Amen? You know, this is one of the most important things that you can do as being a witness for Christ. You live this way and people will know there's something different about you. Especially in the times that we're living in family, there's so much fear around. You know, Pastor Andrew talked about that before as well, you know, about this fear that is gripping people constantly and they're doing the dumbest things. It's incredible. Colossians, so that's, um, um, we're hitting that straight right on the head. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. So <laughs> Colossians 1.13, it says here, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has what? Delivered us. He didn't leave us there. He has delivered us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, and He has delivered us. And I want you to notice what He has delivered us from, the power of darkness, not just darkness. See, if he just said he, he, he delivered us from darkness, well, the power is still running around. But he said he has delivered us from the power of darkness. Whatever power that darkness had over you, it doesn't have it over you anymore. Don't be like that elephant, you know. I've heard this story that, you know, when they, when they first catch an elephant, when it's little and they chain it, and when it first starts, it's a sad story. Okay, but I just want to make a point. I mean, I would hate these people. I would, I would let the elephant go free. Anyway, just having said that, you know, they would chain the elephant. They would leave it there, and it would try to break away. And it would try, and it would try, and it would try, and then it would give up. And even when it is older, the memory of what it couldn't do holds in there. They have said over and over again, if that elephant ever gets mad... He, would, he can just break away from that chain without any problems at all. But because the memory of what happened, that he couldn't get away from it, remained, now even though he is able to be free, he is still trapped. Don't let the devil do that with you. That's why the Apostle Paul says, forget that. Forget your past failures. Forget whatever happened in the past. Something new is happening now. Amen? There is something more to you now than you don't, you know, you have no idea what God is doing in you, what God has done for you, and what God will do for you. 
okay? And I could go, keep going, but you get the idea. So notice again, he says that he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, his, uh, of the son of his love. So I want you to notice, he didn't leave us there. He not only delivered us, but he took us somewhere. You know, we basically got translated out of the kingdom of darkness. That's what this verse actually uh, implies in the wording, in the original text. So I want you to notice that this is, I want you to see this, not notice, but I want you to see this. One minute you're in the kingdom of darkness and the devil goes, yeah, I got him. (laughs) Next minute you make a decision and you're gone. And he goes, what happened to, let me use you, Jamie. What happened to Jamie? I don't know, man. He just kind of translated. Where? Somewhere we can't go. Amen. Now, the only thing he can do is try to trick you. That was all, you know, it was not real. You know, that, that, that's just religious. The reality is you're still stuck. I still got you. When the truth is you're free. Amen? <clears throat> All right. Verse 14 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. There is nothing, there is nothing that the devil can use to hold you back. He can't use your sin against you. He can't say, yeah, but you don't deserve. Say, I know, but God, Jesus Christ, died anyway. God so loved that he did that so that I could be free. So I decide to be free. You have to make decisions. I'm going to talk about that today. So David understood this. The fact that we can live fearless, that we do have to make decisions. And said in Psalm 112, verses 7 and 8. Psalm 112, beginning in verse 7, he says, He will not be afraid of evil tidings. He's talking about the righteous now, okay? His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Notice, he will not be afraid. Of evil tidings. You gotta decide not to be afraid. People come and tell you something, don't just take that as the end result. That that's it. That's all she wrote. There isn't, that's not all she wrote. He wrote something. Go check this out. Amen. And he said he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. His heart is steadfast. Notice it didn't say his mind right now, it's his heart. You need to know in here. It says his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is established, he will not be afraid. Do you see this? You see, again, this is a choice, this is will. He will not be afraid. You will not be afraid. (laughs) It's like one of the little Nazi. You will not be afraid, and that's it. I see fear and I come and slap you. No, I won't do that. But, okay, this is, the, this is what we really need to get a hold. You know, they, they, they kind of got something right, but they used it in a very bad way. Anyway, um, the, but the thing is that if you give yourself permission to be afraid, you'll be afraid. If you don't give yourself permission to be afraid, you, won't be, you know you won't be. You just say, no, I won't. Yes, but no, I won't. I don't care what it looks like. I walk by faith, not by physical evidence. Anything out here? No. I walk by what God says. 
End of story. And we're going to see more of that in just a moment. In fact, let's go to Psalm 56 and verse 11. This is still David. He goes as far as to say in Psalm 66 and verse 11. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, I trust in God. And why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I love that. At the end of the day, he's saying, I trust in something so much greater than anything down here. And you need to not measure yourself against what's down here. You need to measure God against what's down here. Suddenly, what's down here becomes very small. Amen? We really need to do this, family. Everything is a matter of perspective. How do you see things? You know, that's what happened with the, with the spies. Remember, they were sent out, and they came back, and they said we were grasshoppers in our own sight. That's right. That was the problem. They were grasshoppers in their own sight. Joshua and Caleb weren't. <laughs> you know? They said, let us go immediately. You know, that, that, there is volumes in that. Don't, let, don't give fear time. To begin to grow on the inside of you. Because if you give it time, it will begin to grow. Some days, you, I tell you something, some days you need to charge that mountain. You need to say, God is on my side and let's go. We'll see that in just, in fact, that's the next scripture. All right? <laughs> in Romans 8.31. Because it, it, it parallels what David says here. When he says, I trust in God. Why should I be, be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? In the New Testament, Romans 8.31, the Apostle Paul says, what? What then shall we say to these things? If God is for you, who can be against us? He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Amen? I'm just going to say you. If God is for you, who can be against you? Seriously? You know, that is a useless fight. (laughs) Somebody comes against you, you need to say, really? You really want to do this today? Have you got your will in order? You may not be going home. It won't be me. (laughs) Amen? Have we got that much faith in God or don't we? Or do we stand there going, oh God, I hope you get me out of this one. Hope isn't going to do it. Listen to me. It's the person that stays there and says, God, I know you'll get me out of this one. Don't hurt him too much. (laughs) See that? That's a whole different way of looking at things, isn't it? That's when they kind of look at you and go, are you too dumb to be afraid? That's when you say to them, no, you're too dumb to realize what you're attacking. You have no idea. (laughs) There is a God that says, vengeance is mine. Don't touch my kids. Amen? Touch not God's anointed. Hallelujah. Anyway, back to this. You need to know this, family. So I've said here, in other words, what, what this shows us is that strong confidence and trust in God destroys fear. Strong confidence and trust in God will destroy fear. It cannot take a hold of your heart. It cannot take a hold of your mind. It cannot take a hold of you. Amen. And that's what I was trying to get across before. Don't give it time to take a hold of you. When God says go do something, just go do it. Don't sit there and think about it. (laughs) Okay? Make sure it's him, by the way. Don't, don't, Don't do the jump out of the boat and say, God, is this you? And you're sinking and he goes, it wasn't me. So don't do that either, okay? Make sure that before you go do something, that you check it out. Pray. Ask God. You know, if there's something, if it's something significant, ask him to confirm his word with some kind of a sign following. Mm. 
that's okay. Does that mean I'm unbelief? No, that, that, that is you making sure, you, that is you understanding that you are not perfect. That is you understanding that you sometimes get things wrong. Hello. That's you understanding that maybe taking a little bit more time and allowing God to just let you know in no uncertain terms that is his will. Like I said, these are significant things, okay? You're going to buy a house or something, something big, okay? You're going to take a little bit of time with that because that's a mortgage for a long time. You know what I'm trying to say? You don't want that to get stuck on you. You know, some decisions are bad decisions for a moment. The other ones, you know, just, what can I say, lost a lifetime. You don't want those ones. Okay. I've said here, once again, this shows us that strong confidence, trust in God destroys fear, but it requires you to decide to live this way. In other words, living fearless is a decision you make. And it's based on the power and faithfulness of God. Amen. Psalm 46. Let's go there. Psalm 46. I want to look at verses 1 and the first part of verse 2. Psalm 46. David's writing it. Remember, it is David who went up against Goliath. It is David who ran toward Goliath. He didn't walk. He ran. And while Goliath was cursing his, you know, cursing him by his gods, David spoke out. And David didn't say, today I hope the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He said, this day God will deliver you into my hands. That's it. I know you're huge. I'm little, but that doesn't matter. God's bigger than you. <laughs> Amen. And while everybody else was hiding, I mean, the whole army was hiding. There's this one kid with five rocks because he was planning on taking out the whole family. Goliath had four brothers. He didn't take five rocks just in case he missed. He couldn't miss. There's no missing. He missed and his head's gone because Goliath is swinging a very big sword. He was never planning on missing. His, his whole point was, I'm going to take you, and when your brothers come, I'll be ready. Let them come. Bruce Lee in the spirit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. All right, where are we? Psalm 46. So I want, you, I want you to know, all of this is coming from a warrior. This is not some little person out there folding their legs and... You know, oh, that's a nice verse. Let's write that down. This is real stuff. Amen? So listen. Psalm 46, he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Not a where are you God in trouble. Amen? He, where is God when you're in trouble? Present. Right there. You don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. You don't have to roll in the ground. He's going, I'm here. Why are you on? <laughs> okay. You know, just learn to talk to God. Talk to God. Don't whine. Don't have emotional things. Just talk to him. You can be emotional, but no, he's right there. Hallelujah. And notice again, he says God is our refuge. Two things. Our refuge and our strength. That is very significant because not only is God our refuge, we can take refuge in God, but he doesn't keep us weak either. He is our strength as well. So God, you know, why would you need strength? 
because you have a part to play. Take refuge in God, but know that you also have given strength to go do something. You are his hands. You are his feet. Amen. And notice verse 2, and this is the one I really want to focus in on, the first part. He says, therefore, we will not fear. Remember again, this is David. He's saying, we will not fear. That's exactly what he would have been telling himself when he was running towards Goliath. When Goliath was saying all of the stuff he was going to do to David, see, don't listen to the enemy. You know, he wants to give you bad news. You give him some bad news. <laughs> Say, you come at me this way, I come at you in the name of God, whose armies you have defied. That's why you're going to go down today. He didn't say because you defied me. He said you defied the armies of God. And I'm his representative. You know, I was thinking, in reflecting on that, I was thinking, you know, what would the other side be thinking? If I was on the other side, I'd be thinking this. It suddenly occurred to me, I wonder, you know, how this would have looked from the other side. It suddenly occurred to me that they probably thought, oh my gosh, no wonder they took so long. They were training up a little kid to come and take out our champion. If a kid can do this to, you know, our champion, God knows what all they can do. Was the thought that God would have put in their mind, and which is why they turned and ran. Wouldn't you? You see a little guy and going, are you kidding me? In fact, that's what <laughs> Goliath said. You've got to be kidding. This? You're sending this? This is what? This is insulting. <laughs> Amen. Don't ever under underestimate God. Amen? Just because you can't think of it doesn't mean he didn't. All right. <laughs> Further to this, the whole of Psalm 91. I, I want to read that to you today. Let me know when I've run out of time. I've got a lot here. I know this is going to be a two-parter. Okay, so about that. All right. Psalm 91. I want to read the whole psalm. You guys need to hear this. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I know there's a lot of insights into this, but I want to keep going. All right? Okay, verse 2. This is where I want to focus. He, it says, I will say of the Lord. I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Oh, we need to stop. We need to stop. Notice where this is coming from. I will say of the Lord, where are you? He's never there when you need him. Do you want to become a Christian? No. <laughs> you kidding? No, never. Notice he says, you might be saying that I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. Watch this. My God. Notice this is not some God out there. This is my God. Do you get this? You need to make this personal family. You need to be meditating on this. You need to be saying this over and over again. When you start getting scared about something, you, you go back to this and say, I, you know what? I will serve the Lord. He is my refuge. He is my strength. My God. It says in him, I will trust. My will is involved in this. Do you see that? You know, that is one of the strongest statements that you can make is I will. 
because you are saying, I don't care how things look. I don't care what you say. This is what I will do. Get it? In spite of everything else, we need to be this way. In everything that we do, in the Lord, for the Lord, whatever we're called to do, it needs to be this way, family. We need, you know, I know that there has been a lot of misunderstanding about confession. I understand that, you know, it had got tainted, you know, with this, you can have what you say, you know, name it and claim it and all of that sort of stuff. And they said it in a very derogatory way because there were people that were wanting helicopters and they didn't even know how to fly. And they wanted planes because somebody, brother so-and-so had one. And you know, I, you know how much those things cost to park? How many times are you going to fly the thing? <laughs> anyway, I, you know, it's just, it, it, it just got crazy. Can I just say to you, don't let, just because the devil took something or just because religion took something or just because people messed up somewhere, whatever category it falls in, I don't care, okay? Don't allow a truth to be lost. There is a truth in that. There is a truth where you need to claim certain things. One of the things that you claim is that he is your God. You will not fear. He is your refuge. He is your strength. That will never change. See, now, if we did that, I think a lot more people would have joined us. A lot more people would have said, that's it. That's what we've been missing. We're, we know we are so caught up in our relationship with God, we kind of forgot we need to do stuff. Amen. So this is me telling you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came? All right, verse 3, verse 3. So <laughs> he says, surely... This is the reason why you will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, He is my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. Surely He has delivered you, or surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. fowler. Notice it says surely. It didn't say I really hope He does. If we pray long enough, He might. It didn't say that. Please see this. He says surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. Verse 4, He shall cover you with His feathers. Notice it didn't say he might cover you with his feathers. Do you understand when it says he shall, it means that it is a fact. You need to allow that fact to manifest. If you say, God, you're never here, well, the feathers will go off because it ain't here. You can have what you say. You don't want feathers? Fine. But they're there for you. They have your name on it. Okay. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. And because of this, verse 5, you shall not be afraid. Okay, because all of this, you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in, uh, walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. You know, whether it's nighttime or daytime, all right, whichever one. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Don't be distracted and don't be or don't become fearful by what you see. The devil will say, see, a thousand fell on that side. Ten thousand and that's coming to you. Go, no. No, I don't know about them and I won't judge them. 
Do you want me to say it again? I don't know about them, and I won't judge them. I won't stand there and say, well, see, they didn't trust God, so they died. Do that, and you're going to go next. <laughs> Hello. Don't do stuff like that. Judgment is God's and God's alone. You see them going down. Don't go, nah, nah, nah. Just pray. Okay? Just say, God, I don't know what they learned, but dear God, some, something. Help them. Give them a quick revelation. Something. Don't let them all just fall. Amen. Anyway, back to this. If, even if they do, what does it say? It doesn't say, I'm going to be next. It says, it shall not. Some days you need to stand there and say, you shall not come here. Amen, family. From in here, okay? It shall not come near you. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Verse 9, because you, because who? You, this is again you. You have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Because you did. No evil shall befall you. Notice, because you made that choice, then this is what the result is. No evil will befall you, nor shall any plague come near you. No virus, delta, or whatever else it's going to call itself these days. Because as much as there's the delta and the omicron, we got the alpha and the omega. We got the beginning and the end. Forget the middle. <laughs> Amen. Seriously, family. All right. Fight words with words. That's a first, you know, that's the first thing that came to mind when they said, when they're talking about Delta and Omicron. I said, God, I, honestly, this is the first thing that hit my mind was, I've got the Alpha and the Omega. You're going down. You won't get here. People may fall on either side, but you will not come here. Hallelujah. End of story. Don't think about it. Okay. Let me keep, <laughs> keep going. He, uh, verse, I finished verse 10, didn't I? Verse 11. For he shall give, watch this, he shall give his angels charge over you. Some people don't even believe they exist. Do you know I pray before we go? Every, <laughs> when, when, okay, I got to tell this. I hope Pastor Emily doesn't mind. Uh, whenever Pastor Emily goes shopping, we pray that God covers her, that there's a shield. That's right. Psalm 3. And verse 3, Psalm 61 and verse 3. Those are the scriptures. Okay. We also pray that the angels of God go before her and move anybody out of the way that might want to breathe on her. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> we are living in those kind of times, family. Every, every time, every time she leaves the house, we pray, we stand, we agree that she's covered in the blood. That there's a shield around her and the angels go before her and just clear the path. Hallelujah. What are you doing? Making God responsible. Anything happen, we go, what happened? An angel needs to get fired. <laughs> they won't, they won't, they're good. They, they do what they're told. Okay. And he says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 13, you, who? Okay, everybody missed it. You, 
You, this is what you do now. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. Oh, God, can you tread upon the lion? No, you do it. <laughs> okay? Because you need to make a statement. You need to put your foot on it and say, no, stay. In the name of Jesus, stay. Amen? Okay. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot. Now, in reply to this, verses 14 through 16 is now God, okay? God now says to those who trust in him, who has said all of these things, who have said, I, I will do all of this. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in him I will trust. For the person that does all that stuff, he's, it says, because he has said, uh, please put a she in here as well, okay? He or she has set his or her love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him and her. I will set him or her on high. This is God now speaking. Because he or she has known my name, verse 15, he or she shall call upon me and I will answer him or her. Amen. I won't be going, sorry, the line's busy. Can you call in five minutes? I'll be dead in five. <laughs> All right? He says, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will be with her in trouble. I will deliver him or her and honor him or her. Notice God doesn't just deliver you. Things come against you. Two things will happen. Wake up. Everybody awake? Please listen to this. You need to get this. Because all we're looking for is, oh, thank God I got out of it. No, no, no. That's not, that's not God's way. God will deliver you and then he will honor you. He will make the devil regret he ever came against you to begin with. Are you all with me? There is an, listen, honor from God is extraordinary. It is when you don't have to blow your little horn. God just does something and everybody goes, whoa, okay. That's, that's, okay. <laughs> There's no words, you know. Honor from God is something that goes beyond words. It's in another dimension and people sense and feel. Amen. Okay. And not only that, I love verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him or her and show them my salvation. He will show you how he'll get you out. He will show it, and he will let everybody else know, I did this. Amen? Amen? This is how you live the high life, or in the high calling of God for your life, when it comes to fear. And it is not in your strength, but God's strength, that all this is done. This is brought out in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to use this as a coupling into next week. So we'll come back to this next week, but let me introduce you to this. This is brought in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 where the Apostle Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Did you see that? Yeah. But I want you to notice the next verse. <laughs> and we're going to come back to the next verse next week and move forward from there with this thought. Notice it goes in to say, you put on the whole armor of God. It says, now you be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, but now you put something on. It comes back to you. 
You know, so many people look at Ephesians 6.10 and go, I'll be strong in the power of his might and I'll just sit at home and do nothing. No, you have to do something now. You've got to start putting on armor. You have to start, you need to make decisions. Amen. You know, every one of those pieces of armor, and I'm not going to preach on all of them because I can't, okay? This is not the point of this. I have done a series on that. Please go and have a look at it. It's called the armor of God, I believe. It is tremendous. But you need to put on every piece of this armor. It requires you to meditate on the Word. It requires you to go to God. It requires you to spend time in His Word. Not just reading the stuff, but fellowshipping with God over His Word. Do you know that's when He says, listen, you read, you know, and taking the shield of faith or whatever, but then, you know, the Lord will speak to you and He goes, you know, that's my shield. Remember, it's the armor of God. He goes, you know, that's my shield. And He goes, whoo <laughs> Think about that. He goes, yeah, it's a good one. Nothing can get through it. They've tried. They didn't, you know, they, none of them succeeded. Oh, that's a good shield. Yep. See, now I'm fellowshipping with God. When I pull my shield up, it's his shield. And I know it's been tried and tested and nothing got through. So I have confidence because daddy told me. I'm not one of those people that goes, I don't know if this is going to work. Throw the shield and run. Now you're exposed in the back. There's no backside armor. <laughs> I won't say where that's going. <laughs> He's in the hospital. Where to get shot? <laughs> we don't want to talk about it. You know? <laughs> you know? Hey, listen. When the enemy attacks, he will humiliate you. Don't give him the opportunity to. Amen. This is all next week. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to live a fearless life. Hallelujah. In the midst of everything that is going on right now, we thank you, Father, that you have done this. That we take it to heart. We begin to meditate and we begin to speak these things out of our heart. Not just out of our head, but out of our heart as revelation. And we thank you that in doing so, not only will we be a witness to you, God, and your faithfulness to us, but we'll be able to use this to cover others as well in time to come to shield them, to look after them, to stand in the gap till they grow up. We thank you, Lord, that this is not just to bless us, but so that we can be a blessing to others as well. But we need to grow up first. Hallelujah. And we make a decision to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.